Okay, I admit it. I am a little confused this morning. Isn't this the second Sunday of Advent? Aren't we well on the road to Bethlehem? Aren't we now halfway through this season and heading straight towards Christmas? Up until a moment ago, I was feeling pretty good and in the Advent mood, listening to our readings for this morning until we got to the Gospel and met up with John the Baptist. What is he doing here? How is he any part of the good news today? From the Hebrew scriptures, we hear a message full of hope and promise for what some have called the inbreaking of God's reign of justice and mercy throughout the land. And that feels really great. Isaiah speaks of a future leader unlike anything the world has ever seen. One who is not to judge by what their eyes see or decide what their ears hear, but with righteousness they shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And if that description of a leader doesn't blow our minds, then how about the imagery of how their rule will manifest itself in creation? The wolf shall lie down with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling all together. And a little child shall lead them. The psalm as well fits neatly into this theme of hopeful expectation for the one who is to come and rule with justice and mercy. We hear of a leader defending the needy so that spirits will soar and joy will abide in every heart, helping to free all those in need, awakening the souls of all oppressors. This extravagant imagery of hope is also carried over into Paul's letter to the Romans beginning and ending with reassurances of a God that has acted in the world through the gift of Jesus Christ and in his pattern set before us. It is a pattern that calls us to welcome one another, to live in harmony with one another, so that together we may with one voice sing praises of love and hope. The aggregate of all of these readings sounds like nothing short of a miracle to my ears this morning. As I think about the narrative of public discourse in the streets, we hear these days that leadership, especially in our country, is almost nothing but divided. One might even call these readings just a bit of wishful thinking. Ah, but that is the hope, and that is the promise of Advent, isn't it? Isn't this what we yearn for privately and corporately each week when we gather to pray and make Eucharist at this table together? Isn't this what we crave and need so desperately in our lives? The gift of Advent comes in the promise of not only rekindling Christ's love in our hearts through the retelling of his birth, but also the promise and the signs of his second coming and his coming again and again, and again. Advent offers a reassurance by the prophets that indeed we can look with confidence towards the day of Christ coming again. Or to say it another way, towards the day when our hearts tell our egos that they can just thank you very much, sit down, take a break, and let the best of who we are, connected 
compassionate, generous, drive our decisions, large and small. That, to me, would be an incarnate sign of Christ's second coming. So who the heck invited John the Baptist to this party this morning? And really, come on, just between us, what does he have to do with our trip to Bethlehem this year? Does he know something that we don't? Can't we just please kind of ignore him? I won't tell anyone. And we can focus on the beautiful message of hope and promise that we just heard. I mean, seriously, would anyone really notice if we just kind of forgot about him today and we didn't say anything just for today? Okay? That would be a big mistake. Huh? Who's there? I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. And to ignore me this morning would mean ignoring an important part of the journey towards Bethlehem. Oh, well, you see, I was just saying that we're already pretty far down the road to Bethlehem, and frankly, your message of repentance feels a little bit like a distraction. You see, we just heard about the promises of what the reign of God will look like when the one who comes arrives. And what exactly do you think you're going to find when you get to Bethlehem? Well, you know, a manger and a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and a really bright star and a good feeling about God's love in the world and our place in it. Well, why are you asking me? <laughs> Let me tell you what you are going to find when you get to Bethlehem. It isn't just some sweet scene. We've been invaded, you see. You're going to find a beachhead of the realm of God. Do you understand that? A beachhead. The unleashing of God's love over and above anything you all think you have created and control. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for an unleashing of this magnitude of love in your life? Well, of course. I mean, I think we all should be, right? This is what we say we're all about as a community of faith. I hear your words, sister. But I am the one who is set to challenge you on your journey. I am the one who is trying to help point you towards the truth of the one who is yet to come. And in order for you to get to Bethlehem this year, you are going to have to make some changes. Like what kind of changes? Every year it is the same. It seems so many of you want to go to Bethlehem, but a lot of you never really make it, because when you pass this way again, you are the same. If nothing has changed in you, you haven't really encountered God in your life. I think most of you stopped by Jericho on your way. Jericho is fun, and everyone always has a good time eating, drinking, and being merry. Every year I see people getting into the spirit of the season, and that is wonderful. But I wonder, who is it you think you are preparing yourselves for? Unfortunately, Many of you spend so much time and money in Jericho that then you end up rushing right through Bethlehem. You may glance at the Christ child, but then hurry on to get ready for the new year. 
Nothing seems to change for so many of you. I just heard you describe what you think you'll find when you get to Bethlehem. <laughs> no offense, but you seem to have a very romantic image of the whole thing, and nothing about your life will prepare you to encounter God in abject poverty of a smelly stable. You will need to step around the donkey and over the cattle dung. You will try hard not to get anything smelly on your new clothes. Whatever the reason, you will not stay long. You will offer a well-crafted excuse and leave shortly after arriving. You will look at the pleasant couple kneeling on the straw and think maybe you should actually kneel down as well, but straw stains are so hard to get out and you'll believe it doesn't really matter anyway. Some of you may even feel a little embarrassed that with all the money you have spent up to this point, it didn't even occur to you to get something for the baby. You'll politely say goodbye and then be on your way. Were the baby's eyes green? Or were they brown? Not one of you will have noticed. Not one of you will have looked into them. This may sound harsh to you, my friends, but it is not my job to sugarcoat what I am here to say this morning. My job is to prepare you the way for the chosen one, removing barriers, leveling mountains, filling valleys, making rough places smooth. Today, you can choose again. Turn around and face a new way. Live the faith you profess. Only then will you reach Bethlehem and be ready for Christ to come to you. Peace out. Peace to you as well, my brother. Well, well, okay. My friends, let's keep on the road to Bethlehem, remembering this message from John the Baptist this morning. Let's keep moving towards the tiny village under the bright star, knowing that we will find a baby, fragile, vulnerable, a bundle of God's love made manifest for us to see. I guess this is still a morning, morning of hope and peace and joy. It's a message that we do need, after all. John the Baptist may alarm and confront us, but I think he also invites us into a deeper experience of the path leading us to the Christ child. This doesn't have to be just another trip to Bethlehem. It is rushed and filled with excuses for not taking the time to notice the baby's eyes, to notice his laughter, to listen to his big crying, to see his joy, joy of his parents and his peace and our peace through him. Advent blessing, may it be so.